0: Okay, welcome back to the Refuting Calvinism YouTube channel. I have a uh, new video for you here that's going to go into the Consistent Calvinism uh, series. Um, and uh, so far I've had a couple of videos in the Consistent Calvinism series. You can see the playlist right here. And uh, if you go to that playlist, you'll find all the videos in the series. Uh, but there seems to be some confusion. I've had several Calvinists try to post comments on these videos i've had so far in this series and they seem to misunderstand what the purpose of this series is they'll say oh you don't know what calvinism teaches you need to read the uh you know the westminster confession of faith you need to read the canons of dort uh, you know and, and each calvinist is defining calvinism uh with different uh, sources whether it's by what james white says or john macarthur says or what the Westminster Confession, uh, Confession of Faith says or whether the Canons adore what they say or, or what Calvin himself said or what Zwingli said. Um, but one thing I, I think they're not understanding is they're accusing me of strawmanning their position. Consistent Calvinism, this series, is built and engaged to uh, helping Calvinists and non-Calvinists, or people who are considering Calvinism, to see what the logical conclusions of Calvinism would be. Um, and unfortunately, most Calvinists, people who call themselves Calvinists, or Reformed, or people who believe in the doctrines of grace, uh, most of them are not consistent, logically speaking. And, um, since I believe God is the author of logic, he gives us logic, we're to use logic when it comes to theology. Not the end all, end all, but we are to use logic, and most Calvinists do not use logic at all. Um, but the... the The logical Calvinists are so few, it's almost easier to find a dodo bird than it is to find a a consistent Calvinist. So keep in mind, Calvinists, that uh, this video and the other videos in this series are things that usually you will not admit. That's the whole point of this series, to get you to see and hopefully admit what the logical conclusions of your beliefs are. Um, So the, the, the title of this one is Consistent Calvinism excuses before God and what I mean here is that a sinner would have an excuse before God and we're going to look at a passage in Romans 1 now and we're just going to build the foundation upon what I'm saying here in this video so let's go to Romans chapter 1 and we'll start in verse 18 for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So, we'll stop right there just for a second. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Uh, but according to Calvinists and according to Calvinism, the sinner has no ability to not suppress the truth in a righteousness unless God regenerates them or first of all obviously had a chosen them in eternity past, regenerates them, gives them faith, gives them repentance, and preserves them until the end. Uh, so the, 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 to say someone's suppressing the truth means they're suppressing something they didn't have to suppress. they're pushing it down. So that's the first point. The second point is here, it says that they're without excuse at the end of verse 20. Here's what they're without excuse for. Let's read on to verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Okay, So they were without excuse because they know God as manifest in them, and God has shown it to them. His invisible attributes are clearly seen, and what what are they guilty of? Not glorifying God. That's what it says in verse 21. Because although they knew God, knew about Him, knew Him intrinsically, they're born with this knowledge of Him, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their heart, foolish hearts were darkened. So let's let's just go down the acronym for tulip here, which defines the doctrines of Calvinism, at least for most Calvinists. I mean, maybe. You're a Calvinist who doesn't believe in Tulip. I don't know, but uh, every Calvinist I've talked to believes in Tulip. So, total inability. Sometimes called total depravity, but total inability is actually more accurate because lots of Christians, in fact, most Christians I know believe in total depravity. Uh, But this total inability thing is what most Christians do not believe in. It simply says that you have no ability, there's no such thing as free will, is basically what it's saying. Now, Calvinists may use, say they believe in free will, and they'll redefine it all they want and play these word games. Uh, but they really don't believe in free will, according to the true nature of the term. What free will simply means you have the moral ability to choose right and wrong. So, because of total inability, um, the sinner has no ability to glorify God, according to the Calvinist. And uh, of course, now I, I believe God must draw a sinner near. But the question becomes: uh, Does God only draw some near? Which is the, what the Calvinists assert—that God only draws some near. Now, I know Calvinists don't like this scripture in John 12:32. But the fact is, if you're going to harmonize scripture properly, you must incorporate John 12, 32 into your, uh, into your theology. And I haven't seen one Calvinist do it. They just kind of brush it off and say, oh, let's deal with John 6. Deal with John 12:32. harmonize the scripture. So according to total inability, a sinner has no ability to respond. So how can you be guilty of uh, not glorifying God, as the scripture is saying here in Romans 1, unless you have the ability to glorify God? Um, and then there's a unconditional election. Now it simply states that God has chosen from eternity past who will be saved and who will be damned. Now if you don't believe in the fact that it says who will be damned, then you're inconsistent as well. I, I encourage you to check out my video, Consistent Calvinism, uh, Double Predestination. Check it out right here, right there. You Check it out right there. Watch that video. I don't want to hear, I don't want to see any comments about that because I'm not even going to argue about that in this video. But the fact of the matter is God has chosen from eternity past who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. And if that's true, then... Then sinners have no ability to to be become sinless. God's already chosen before they are even born, Uh, and then you got limited atonement. Uh, God only dies. Christ only dies for the elect. So if if, whether they had ability or not, if Christ didn't die for them, uh, then it doesn't make a difference if they have the ability or not. They they can't be forgiven because forgiveness is only found through the blood of Jesus Christ. Irresistible grace. Uh, God must regenerate you and irresistibly draw you. He must basically force you to come to salvation. And uh, for Calvinists, they'll say, well, no, that's not forced there. Uh, Calvinists use this, this uh, argument all the time. Well, that's what the word draw means. It means to drag or force. Uh, so God must force someone to salvation. He must easily draw them to salvation. And then you've got P, preservation of saints, sometimes called perseverance of the saints. But perseverance, that word, has a, has a kind of connotation that, uh, that man is involved in it, doing something. But that would be synergism. But Calvinism teaches monergism. So it's preservation of saints. God's doing the preserving. So, let me give you a hypothetical throne room, uh, or judgment seat, judgment day situation between the Calvinist God and a sinner. God says to the sinner, sinner why didn't you glorify me? Why didn't you give me thanks? He says, well, well God, T, you, you didn't give me the ability to respond. I, I was totally unable to respond. In fact, that's the way you created me. I mean, maybe maybe it goes back to Adam and Eve. Maybe it was their fault. Maybe you made Adam and Eve fall. I don't know, depending on what kind of Calvinist you are. Uh, you know, I, I can't help it. I was born a sinner, born of the sinful nature. I can't do anything but sin. So, you know, God, whether you caused a fall or not, Adam and Eve's free will corrupted me so badly that I'm totally unable. And, and who else made the rule that this would happen to me if they sinned but you, God? So because of you, God, you're to- you, I'm totally unable to respond. And God says... Oh, okay, would you like to continue? Yeah, and plus, unconditional election, uh, you didn't choose me. I mean, if you didn't choose me, how is it my fault? How is it my fault that I didn't come to you, God? And God says, oh, okay, would you like to continue? Yeah, I mean, living atonement, you sent Christ to die on the cross. John 3.16, he says, oh, God, for you love the world, but we all know the world means elect there, right? I mean, it's got to mean elect because you, Christ didn't die for all. Because I mean, all the scriptures that say that Christ only died for the many. So he didn't die for me. doesn't matter if you picked me or not. I can't be saved. And God says, oh, okay. Uh, uh, would you like to continue? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'd like to continue because uh, you didn't irresistibly draw me either. Uh, if, if you would have drawn me, God, and regenerated me and gave me repentance and gave me faith, and, uh, then I would have been saved. And I would have been able to glorify you then. And God says, oh, anything else? Yes, one more thing, God. Uh, even if I did get saved, uh, you didn't preserve me until the end. So it, it, it'd, be, it'd be your fault, God, that you didn't force me to be saved, you didn't pick me to be saved, force me to be saved, give me the ability to glorify you and 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 irresistibly draw on me and preserve me today. It's all your fault, God. And here we have one of the problems with Calvinism is that if we're consistent and look at the Scripture and seeing what it says, a sinner standing before an a Calvinist God would have Many, many excuses. But as the scripture clearly says in Romans 1, sinners are without excuse for not glorifying God. And sinners have no, the, no ability to glorify God. They had not been picked by God so they do have the ability to glorify God. They had not been regenerated by God and given to get the faith and get to repentance so they can glorify him. And they had not been preserved to the end so they can glorify him to the end and glorify him forever in heaven. And Christ hasn't died for them so they can be part of the elect and glorify him. Then they have excuses before God. Do you see what you're doing, Calvinist? You're giving sinners excuses. But one of our, as an open air preacher, one of my jobs is to eliminate every excuse a sinner has in the open air. So they stand empty handed with nothing but to say, Have mercy on me, God, a sinner. I come to you forsaking my sins, forsaking my ways, clinging to the cross for mercy, and I'm going to follow you the rest of my days. But what I hear in the open air all the time, because of the effects and the influence of Calvinism upon our culture, upon our nation, I hear, I'm born a sinner and I can't help but to sin. Oh, I, I, I can't stop sinning. Oh, you know, God, predestination, God hasn't chosen me. You know, I hear all these things in the open air because of the effect and the influence of Calvinism upon our society, And sinners have tons of excuses, and it's because of you, Calvinists, and your teachings, even those who are open-air preachers. And and you may not get into these theological concepts in the open-air unless the sinner brings it up, but I'll tell you this, the sinner will bring it up eventually. They bring it up with me all the time. And uh, if I were to answer them according to Calvinism, they'd walk away with their excuses. They'd walk away and say, hey, I I can't do anything about it. It's all God's fault and that would be the logical conclusion for a sinner to come to if Calvinism is true. So this is just another reason why consistent Calvinism is absurd and ridiculous and I pray you'll come to your senses and see how absurd and ridiculous it is and how it goes against not just this scripture in Romans 1 but the whole counsel of God and it, it, it um, infringes upon the character of God and it gives sinners excuses. So stop giving sinners excuses for their sins. Uh, Show them that they have no excuse. They have free will. They can respond to the gospel. They're being drawn near by the Holy Spirit. They're being convicted of all the sin, righteousness, and judgment. They have a conscience that God's given them that teaches them right from wrong. Uh, And they don't have to wait around for God to regenerate them. They need to respond now. And that today's the day of salvation they may not have tomorrow. And they stand before God on judgment day. They will have no excuse. Because God has given them the opportunity they need to respond. So this is the uh, consistent Calvinism, excuses before God. I pray you'll take heed to these words and that you'll consider them and uh, understand the scriptures properly. God bless.